On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. Jeremy and Karina, hi. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Hi, Greg. Thanks for having us. Glad that you guys could uh, take some time out of your schedule and chat with us about your music and your band and all that kind of good stuff. Where are we talking to you from? Well, right now, um, we're actually in southern Illinois, uh, where I'm from, because we had to take care of some family things, but um, we're actually based out of Nashville, Tennessee. All right, cool. I noticed uh, when I called you, there was a Virginia number, so were you in Virginia at some point? I am from Virginia, okay. originally. I'm from the south side region of Virginia, All right. and I uh, still have the same phone number, I so you're from Harrisonburg or somewhere up there. Right, yeah, yeah. We we get to do that now. We don't have to change numbers when we move around the country. That's at least one advantage of the modern technology. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about High Fidelity. You guys have been a band for, what, six years? That is correct. We formed in early 2014, um, basically to enter the, the stigma band contest that's Society for Preservation yep. of Great Music of America, and um, they have the National International Band Championship, I think it is, okay. and uh, we put the band together, um, Kirk Stevenson, uh, who's our regular banjo player, especially on our record, he, the band was sort of his uh, brainchild, and uh, you know he wanted to have a group with me and, and Karina, and we pulled the Vicky and Daniel in, Kurt knew Daniel, and uh, Karina and I knew Vicky, and um, yeah, so we, we put the group together to enter the contest, and sort of our goal was to play 50, early, uh, early 60s, late 50s, bluegrass in the style of groups, kind of like you know, Jim and Jesse and Reno and Smiley, yeah. and that sort of thing, and, and do it in such a way that uh, it would be competitive. And we won the contest back in that year. Yeah. Right, and those you know those first couple of years after that, we were all just sort of doing our own thing. We we didn't really have any uh, intention of high fidelity being like a, a full time okay. venture, but uh, but we put a, a record together to actually uh, get a gig <laughs> in uh, in Arkansas that requires you to have a, a a band to have a commercially released record project because I guess they wanted to make sure you were still going to be a band by the time the gig right, came around yeah. and, <laughs> and promoted and such. And uh, so we put a, a, our first self-titled, self-released record together and Rebel Records heard that and said, uh, we really like the music that you guys are doing. Would you consider doing a record for us? And uh, after that, we, we sort of, we've been really blessed because it's just sort of unfolded on itself. We're uh, high fidelity's kind of turned into this thing now. We're like, wow, we never imagined it would it would get this far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Has it? Um, obviously, circumstances have kind of altered things for everybody. But but prior to uh, the the first of the year, had it been a full time venture for you guys? 
it was becoming much more uh, that way. I mean, we are full-time musicians, Karina and myself and, and Vicky, um, <clears throat> for sure. And we all do different things, but high fidelity was, was becoming the majority of things, okay. especially for, for me and Karina. Yeah. Uh, and def- definitely last year it was it was our full-time job. And uh, looking ahead to this year, we were even busier, and we thought, wow, I hope we can just juggle all these things. Um, but the Lord kind of has a way of changing things up on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but, for um, sure. But, you know, it's, uh, you know we it was definitely our uh, our full time pursuit at by March <laughs> before March. <laughs> yeah. Now you said uh, full time musician. So are there other are other band projects or just other things related to the industry that you guys do? Uh, there's other things related to the industry, but also um, Karina and I we've been uh, members of uh, Jesse McReynolds Virginia Boys for uh, since 2016. Okay. Uh, prior to that, I was full time with the Chuck Wagon Gang, the uh-huh. gospel group, uh-huh. which we performed at Harrisonburg a few times. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, that's kind of been a primary pursuit. And we freelanced with different groups at different times. You okay. Know? Yeah. Um, so, being in Nashville, it's just kind of what you do. Yeah. And, you know, Jeremy, I'd say in high fidelity, really everybody has, has their own artistry, too. You know, we come together and, and we, we enjoy playing um, the, the roots of bluegrass music, like, you know, getting into the history and, and uh, channeling that style of things. But we've all got our own artistry. And, you know, Jeremy, he's actually got plans for a solo record this year. Oh, cool. And I have a solo record in the can. And uh, uh, Kurt performs with his. His wife as well. Uh, Daniel's got all his own music. He plays with multiple bands and has her own um, artistry. So, so yeah, we all we all definitely we're blessed with talent in, in high fidelity. A lot of different interests and a lot of different abilities. How has the um, the the pandemic slowdown? lock in all those whatever word applies um how has it changed the music for you guys and 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 what you what you've been able to do and what you hope to be able to do as as soon as we can get back out there Uh, well you know for me karina mentioned that i've got a a solo album i've been really wanting to to do for for years i did one when i was 16 and that's the last time oh wow uh, okay that, that was 20 years ago and uh Actually, was very blessed to done that with Rebel Records, mm-hmm. um, and that was sort of my contact with them for, for all of this coming together for High Fidelity so many years later. Um, and I've wanted to to get back and do another solo record that sort of showcases what I'm doing now and my abilities now. You know, from the, that have been de- developed over the last twenty years. You know, so uh, for me, it's given me a chance to really kind of hone in on that and. do from home, yeah. you know, in preparation for that and preparing the studio time. And, uh, of course, you know, all our gigs were lost, so we've, we've spent a lot of time at home uh, together. We've had a wonderful time and keeping a garden and uh, lots of pursuits along those, yeah. those lines that have been very rewarding. For yeah. Us. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and in terms of high fidelity, you know, uh, giving us an opportunity to focus in on sort of our, our business side of things, how we do things, and focusing in on our 
uh, online audience and hear everybody's eyes or, you know, on what they can do online. And um, we've always we've always sort of made that a priority to, to communicate with friends and fans and folks on, on the Internet. But it, this has definitely given us an opportunity to work that out and say, you know, how can we how can we make this more efficient? How can we stay in touch with people and uh, just not lose not lose touch with people while everybody's at home? You know. Yeah, yeah, for sure. How did you guys come up with the name High Fidelity? That was Kurt that actually came up with that. Um, uh, he had thrown out that and maybe a couple other names, and I was sort of uh, resistant to it because well, that sounds like some, you know. Um, a catchy modern name that somebody would come up with. So it's based on older things, you know, the, the albums that came out right. and, uh, as well back in the 50s and stuff before the stereo era. It, you know, high fidelity means it's a monophonic recording that is high quality, basically. Right, right. Prior to the stereo days. And uh, so all those record albums were just slathered with those words. High fidelity, high fidelity on, on all of them back then. And, uh, since that's kind of the era we were going for, Kurt thought it'd be a cool name. Well, I couldn't come up with anything any better. <laughs> something Mountain Boys, you know, I was going back to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we just ended up going with it, and it's been great. Yeah. yeah. I come up with anything any better. I think Kurt said, you know, we were throwing out all these names for the contest, and then he said, well, I have this idea of high fidelity. Is that cool or is that stupid? <laughs> 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 kind of like, you know, when you have a unique idea, I guess, it's like you, you can't always tell. But I'm right, like, yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. And so we went. Yeah. Well, I being a little, from the older generation a little bit, it, I, I immediately connected with um, that as an older term that defined a lot of the early music. So it, it definitely... Certainly, anybody over forty will certainly certainly catches that pretty quickly. I would think so. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, a couple of guys that were judging the contest when they heard our name, they told uh, they told us later we we got we knew what it was going to be about. You know, after after we heard your name announced. Yeah, sure. Okay. Oh, it's gonna be good. <laughs> whatever. Yeah, and it's been a great point to you know hear all about. Um, history and education and our music, you know, knowing where we came from and stuff. So for folks that don't know about it, it's been a great way to sort of introduce people to our, our music history and kind of give them a, a vision into into that world, where we came from and, and get right. people interested in, in that era of things so they can keep, keep looking back and digging in. Now, when you guys are, are putting together... Um uh, recorded material or, or your set list even are you doing uh, all original material or are you um, covering songs from that era that line up with that with that ideology it's definitely the latter Greg you know we don't do we actually haven't done any uh, original songs as of yet we've sort of thrown some around uh -huh. um, but for us the style of the music is what we're trying to convey, you know, that, that style and that vibe. Sure. Um, that encompasses, you know, the songwriting and the content in there, the flow of the lyrics and everything. So we haven't found anything that really um, fits exactly the mold that we that we have for stuff and, and the vibe that we're going for. So uh, Jeremy is actually an avid record collector. So we dig a lot into his collection and with 
uh, especially Jeremy, Kurt, and myself being interested in the history of the music, uh, we pull from a lot of obscure recordings and things that we can uh, sort of rework into our, our style of things. Even if it's not something directly from that era, uh, we definitely are not into necessarily like, a, you know, carbon copy, uh, this version, this version. We have done certain things like that, like our version of student banjos. That's basically, you know, we're basically just doing the original arrangement on that to bring it to our audience today. Right, right. But, um, but the important thing for us is finding material that seems to work in that style. And whether that's older songs, whether that's directly from that era, or whether it's something original, uh, we're down to do it. Yeah, that's cool. And and speaking of that, you've got a new record. Uh, is, is the record itself out or just the single? No, the record is out. It's released June the 12th. And that's um, Banjo Player Blues, right? Yeah, Banjo Player's Blues. Yeah, cool. Tell me a little bit about that. How did you decide which material that you wanted to put on that record? We we basically uh, kind of do the same hazing for material for all of our records, um, and we we try to find material that is relatively unknown or completely unknown to uh, a lot of audiences today, and uh, so we seek to find material that's um, obscure. And uh, we do back in my record collection and, and uh, things that we're aware of, maybe, or whatever. So, And there's several artists that we, we pull from uh, quite quite often. Um, Charlie Monroe is one. Um, sure, yeah. James Martha Carson and Reben Ray are some of the artists that we uh, particularly uh, like their songs and their, their music and arrangements and all. So uh, a lot of the material comes from there. And... Uh, uh, you know, the gospel music is a strong <clears throat> part of our lives. We, we're believers in the Lord Jesus, and um, uh, so it's not a something that we make ourselves do on each record, but we do like to include um, a few gospel songs on our albums as well and try to very carefully pick those to be to have a strong message. Now the uh, the single uh, his charming love. Tell me about that. Is that a who who was that from originally? We we do have a video. His charming love. Yeah. Yes, that comes from uh, the Vaughn Quartet. It was written by one of the early uh, convention songwriters, O.A. Paris, and um, he he wrote for the Vaughn Publishing Company down in Lawrenceburg, Tennessee. Uh, the Vaughn Quartet recorded it in 1928 for Victor Records. And um, the 78, actually, a um, friend of mine, Kenny Rohr from uh, Danville, Virginia, there, had it in his collection. He just found it and played it for me one day when I was at his house. And, wow. And, man, I loved that. And I ended up buying the record from him because it's outside of really what he collects primarily. And I just always liked the song after hearing it, and I held on to the record and hoped I'd be able to do it with a group at some point, and it just seemed like a good fit for, um, for High Fidelity. I love the video that you guys did with it, with that uh, kind of the the uh, the old choir um, style and and the, the harmony that you guys put together with it. Thank you so much. You know, um, one of the things that is interesting for a, a, a bluegrass band and the style of stuff that we do is that uh, four out of five of us can read music. Oh, uh, okay, think, cool. You know, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah. And, and, Three out of five of us, uh, in particular, we read stage notes, 
Oh, wow. Either. Yeah. And so having that, you know, you think, oh, wow, this is a this is a really cool attribute that we have here that it just kind of, <laughs> you know, came out of nowhere. It wasn't like, oh, you have to read notes to be in, <laughs> in high fidelity. This happened to be one of those things that yeah. we had in common. <laughs> so we thought, what, what is something we can do in sort of that uh, convention style? Mickey had grown up listening to the Chuck Wagon Gang and, and gospel groups like that, old kind country gospel groups, and her voice uh, lends itself so well to that. Daniel grew up in, going to singing schools and, and doing things like that. So that was really a way for us to showcase um, the variety of, of vocal style and talent that we have in this band. And um, Kirk Stevenson is playing the second uh, acoustic guitar, which is interesting because He's normally the one that sings the baritone parts on hmm. our trios. Hmm. Normally it's me and Jeremy and Kurt. So it was just a really cool way to feature everybody in a different way. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm playing the lead guitar, which both of them are playing rhythm, you know, but all the lead interludes, I'm, I'm playing that. Kurt's playing rhythm behind me, and Kurt's yeah. not singing. We got to feature Dickie and Daniel uh, singing with us. Yeah, right. yeah, cool. So what does it look like when, when we can get back out into the world and start sharing music again? What is, a, what is taking this uh, new record and, and your music back out on the road look like? Do you, do you foresee that yet? I don't know if we know, Greg. You know, everything is, uh, everything is just in such an interesting spot right now. I know. And I think everybody is, uh, everybody's just trying to transition to how we can stay in touch, stay in community, and continue to bring music to people uh, in the now. So I don't know if we really know yet. You know, we have done, um, we did we did one live uh, show that was in Daylight, Virginia, mm-hmm. and we were very impressed with uh, how they were handling things and all the safety measures they, they put in place. It was all very, made a lot of sense. Um, and it was it was great to be out there with uh, a live audience, and um, we got great feedback on it and stuff. People really enjoyed it. Haven't heard anything bad come of it, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> yeah. I, I think that we'll see. I think we'll see promoters and event venues and stuff like that just finding creative solutions for you know how can we safely right. open things up so people can feel comfortable and musicians can feel comfortable and. Everybody can still have a, a, a great time going out and stuff like that. So I think we'll see a lot more ingenuity and creativity while people are uh, figuring out how to open things up. Right. And I think as we move through, toward, you know, more towards the end of 2020 here, I, I think that we'll have a better scope of, of maybe what's ahead. We already have uh, some of our dates that were this year. We've just rolled them over to 2021. Right. Yeah. Um, we don't take anything in the future for granted because we don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds. We know who holds tomorrow. Sure. And we're thankful uh, for him, no, no doubt. But um, I think I think as we move forward in the upcoming months, maybe we'll have an, uh, an idea of what we can expect for right. yeah, uh, the coming year. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, so um, the new record is out, and uh, if people would like to uh, get in touch with you guys, they'd like to see the new video, they want to listen to some more tracks on the record. What's the best way to do all that? The best uh, best resource is our website, highfidelitybluegrass.com. 
and we're on all the social media platforms as well, or all the all the biggies at least. We're on Facebook and mm-hmm. Twitter, and Instagram, and uh, so yeah, the best way is for people to check out our website and. There's a store on there. I believe there are song samples. All of our records are on there. And, yeah, there's a contact form if people need to get in touch with us. Yes, and for our music, uh, people that want to consume our music, of course, we appreciate folks purchasing uh, the physical product from our from our website. They're at www.bluegrass.com by clicking on stop. But if you're a streamer uh, or you like digital downloads, you can find our music at those places like iTunes Music and... Yeah. Uh, Streaming is Spotify. All, all, all those places. Right, yeah, all the places you need to be now, right? <laughs> yeah, right. right. Yeah, well, thank you very much, guys. It's been great, and I uh, enjoy the music, and I certainly wish you well, and, and uh, we look forward to catching you on the road out there as soon as we can get back out. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, thank you so much, Greg. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship, the studio behind American Scandal, comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions, and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, Whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at IntoHistory.com.